1: Welcome to the MLB.com StatCast podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, joined here by MLB.com National Editor Matt Myers. We're going to talk about your new favorite baseball player, Miles Straw. I say that with 100% sincerity. I'm actually really excited to talk about Miles Straw. Three pitchers who have been shockingly productive this year. Jake Odorizzi, Caleb Smith, and John Means. I wrote about eight records that you could see broken this year from a team perspective. We have to talk about Clint Frazier's adventures in the outfield, and we are going to end with a truly bizarre stat line from Rockies outfielder David Dahl. But I feel like you have something to say here. <laughs> well, it would
2: not be a Statcast podcast if we didn't talk about the Rock- Rockies at some point, right? Well,
1: I guess that's true. But it is actually like a very weird stat line, so we're going to get into that uh, first. Miles Straw, do you, what do you know about Miles Straw? Do you know anything about Miles Straw?
2: I'll admit I've not laid eyes on Miles Straw, the baseball player. Right now, I'm, I'm now the dork who's only looked at the spreadsheet. That's all I know of him is is, is the numbers around him. And I saw our Astros reporter Brian McTaggart uh, tweeting about him the other day because he had a huge game he did
1: have a huge game uh well I mean listen the fact that you know who Miles Straw is is probably a step above most baseball fans are now Miles Straw is an outfielder for the Houston Astros and as you just mentioned on Sunday he became the fifth player in Astros history to have at least three runs three hits and three stolen bases in a game now I have been thinking about Miles Straw since 2016 because I'm a big weirdo and I'm so excited that he's actually here playing well and here's the reason why um Darren Willman and I, in 2016, we were looking at some of his data, some minor league spray charts, and I came across this guy I'd legitimately never heard of. And I don't even think I can do this justice if you can't see it, but I, I really suggest you go to BaseballSavant.com and find Miles Straw's 2016 A-ball spray chart. He's a right-handed hitter, and I've never seen this. There's like three balls hit to the outfield and left field, and about a billion to right field. It's really hilarious to look
2: at. And the, the... um. In if you recall a couple of years ago when the um the Padres, I guess it was the Padres and D-backs did that crazy shift on DJ LeMahieu in the course field where basically they were like we dare you to hit the ball to left field and basically had the right fielder on the right field line yeah. center fielder on right center left fielder in center field it um was almost exactly it's, it's it, basically exactly what you would expect from this uh from this uh spreadsheet it,
1: it was so exaggerated that I actually reached out to the Astros at the time to make sure that there wasn't something wrong with the data, but I wanted to know like, this guy I've never heard of, um, is he really hitting like that? Like what right-handed hitter goes opposite field that much? Last year, in 2018, he had a 47% opposite field rate. It was the highest in the affiliated minors. Uh, he had the second lowest pull rate at 27%. Do you know who had the lowest pull rate last year in the minor leagues? I didn't know until I looked this up. Tim Tebow? Yandi Diaz! <laughs>
2: <laughs> you knew it was going to be some ridiculous name. On the, uh, Miles Straw was ranked as the Astros' 14th ranked prospect uh Heading into this season, his scouting report says a right-handed hitter, he excels at contr- controlling the strike zone and making contact, but he lets the ball travel so deep that he mostly generates ground balls
1: to the opposite field. Good job, Pipeline. I'm not just talking about Miles Straw, by the way, because he had a weird spray chart a couple years ago. That's why he, he caught my eye, just because I remembered him and I thought it was hilarious in, this, in the big leagues. Uh, he might actually be a pretty useful player right now. I think I would call him a four-tool player. Uh, and this is why I say this. Like, if you think about the five tools, right, the hit tool, the power tool, speed, field, and arm, well, we can measure all those pretty well. Uh, I think I would say he has the hit tool uh, for two reasons. One is that in 2016, he led the entire minors with a 358 batting average above Rookie League. I don't care about batting average, but when you lead the entire minors in it, that probably tells you a little something. So far, he has 22 career plate appearances in the big leagues. Zero strikeouts. That's a pretty good start. Only 13 players in history have ever had a 0% strikeout rate in at least 20 plate appearances. As you can imagine, many of those came from many, many years ago, only five in the divisional era since 1969. I assume Maestro will strike out at some point, but so far he can say zero strikeouts and 22 career plate appearances. Uh, that's not easy to do. Power, no. Uh, four homers in over 2,000 plate appearances in the minors. Pipeline gave him a 20 power grade on the 20 to 80 scale. That tracks. So <laughs> You don't see a it. lot of 20s. <laughs> what did say? In the PCL, he slugged like, what, 350 or something last year? Maybe? Yeah, the, the,
2: And right now, currently in the PCL, which is like as a league is slugging like 520, he slugged 353. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because what's fascinating to me about him is the Astros are clearly a smart team. And he is highly regarded in that organization. And he is on their major league roster. So clearly there is some skill there, notably the speed.
1: Right, uh, the speed ninety eighth percentile sprint speed. So so far on offense, he has seven uh what we call qualified runs. So runs where it's uh, at least two bases. Uh, we want to make sure that it's you know not something you're jogging out. Of those seven, he has hit thirty feet per second of sprint speed. So thirty is what we consider to be elite sprint speed five times. On defense, he topped out at thirty one point seven feet per second on a great play. And you know in twenty eighteen led the miners with seventy stolen bases. So I think I will buy that data. He is right now like uh 15th or so on the sprint speed leaderboard and i assume as he accumulates sample he will probably rise up that and then in the field he made one of the best plays of the season uh a running catch in oakland on june 1st a five percent play that means that it has not caught that opportunity 95 percent of the time so i'll buy that and then finally arm uh, hasn't really played that much we haven't tracked anything interesting but pipeline gave him a 65 arm on the 20 to 80 i'll buy that that feels like a four tool player to me and the astros just sort of like invent these guys it's crazy <laughs>
2: And the biggest, you know, the biggest complaint you hear about modern baseball, uh, or I should say, one of the biggest complaints is that it's kind of just homogenous as a game. It's all just like hard throwers and guys trying to hit home runs. So variety is nice. And similarly, last night, you know, I was following the draft. Um, the Rays with the twenty second overall pick took a guy named Greg Jones out of UNC Wilmington, eighty grade speed, kind of like he was getting comped to Brett Butler on the broadcast. Um, good name. And good like, name. These players don't really exist anymore, and it's also, you know, similarly, I was like, the Astros are valuing this guy. They're a smart team. You see the Rays using their first-round pick on a pure-speed guy. Granted, this this guy also is an on-base guy, but the point point remains, it's like it's interesting to see these players maybe start to infiltrate the game again, and maybe we can see a little bit more uh, variety in terms of styles of play.
1: Speaking of the draft, I just wanted to mention quickly, Miles Straw was drafted uh, in 2015 as a 12th-round pick out of St. John's River Community College in Florida, There have only been four other players from St. John's River. Two of them are active. uh, Nathan Lowe from the Rays and Howie Kendrick, who I have in my notes here to to vote like an entire section Howie Kendrick the next time we do a show. He's having a shockingly great season. Like he's going to be an amazing trade deadline pickup for somebody. The ground ball rate's down. Hard hit rate is elite. Uh, Next time we'll get into Howie Kendrick, but he's fascinating. The other two guys from St. John's River, B.J. Surhoff's brother, Rich, I did not know was a thing, uh, and the immortal Bill Swaggerty of the 1983 to 1986 Orioles this has been your Miles Straw update uh legit four tool player and I think Matt made a great point just a different kind of player you don't see guys like this anymore it's it's almost like if Billy Hamilton could hit a little better is that what he sort of feels like he's playing a little shortstop now too he's an outfielder but he started playing shortstop and you know the Astros took
2: a player you know I'm, I'm not comparing him to Jose Altuve but the the Astros have taken player unconventional players in recent years and made them players so it's always like okay like, on a different team, I might feel
1: differently, but because he's on the Astros, I'm like, okay, interesting. What You know, what do we have here? Um, okay, so now you know a little bit something about Miles Straw. There is a couple pitchers who have really, like, great – I don't want to say breakout seasons because I'm not sure I buy all of them, uh, but just seasons that have made me change – I guess I would say change how I thought about them, except in at least one case I had never thought about him. So the first one is Jake Odorizzi, and I'd always kind of been on the low side. I always felt he was super overrated, uh, you know, in, in – Almost 900 career innings, dating back to 2012. He had a career 3.95 ERA last year, a 4.49 ERA this year. He has a 196 ERA, uh, and that is, you know, massively good. If you look at the uh, underlying peripherals, last year he had a 28% ground ball ground ball rate was the lowest among qualified starters. This year is a 27% ground ball rate. It is the lowest on record outside of Chris Young, the tall Chris Young, six foot eleven ish, I think. Chris Young, yeah. His strikeout rate, Odorizzi's, is up from 22.8% to 28%. That is the fifth largest jump in baseball. As you can imagine, everything is trending in the right direction here, right? His hard hit rate is down uh, from 39 to 32. His weighted on bases down by almost 100 points. Expected weighted on bases down by about 70 points. On June 2nd, he had 21 swinging strikes. It was the third most in his career, and so I was very interested by this. I wanted to know why, uh, and if you look at the pitch data... His fastball velocity is up from 91.1 to 92.8, and he's throwing way more cutters, 2% last year, 17% this year. Uh, He said earlier this spring his slider and cutter pitches merged throughout last year, and now he's just throwing a cutter. And this is less about whether, like, Odorizzi is the real deal and sort of more about the Twins. Like, how many times have we looked at a Twin and said, wow, uh, something's changed here. Tons of their hitters. Martin Perez, uh, who basically said Odorizzi taught him the cutter. And then we talked about this with all the Reds last week. Like, it's amazing how new... Coaching staffs or new analytical staffs, how quickly. They could change some of this stuff. Like I think both of these teams really deserve a lot of credit for, you know, maybe a little behind the curve, but like finally getting on board. And look at the results. Here's a quote from Motorisi for March. I forgot to write it down, so I apologize to whomever got it. He said it was a good eye opener to use some of the video work, the Rapsodo type of stuff, and see it for myself rather than just feeling it. He said of his time at the Florida Baseball Ranch. How many times have we heard that story <laughs> by now? Like it's it's not like a cure all. It doesn't make you a great pitcher. But I, I can't count the amount of guys that are like, oh yeah, I never thought I'd use this, uh, and then I gave it a shot, and it's really it's it's improved my game, which I think is cool.
2: And, you know, we talked about this a little with Giolito, and I'm, I'm definitely skeptical of any NL Central pitcher this year having... Uh, AL Central. AL Central pitcher yeah. having, like, a breakout year, especially if you're on the Twins, because you actually don't even have to face the Twins often. Right. All you can <laughs> do is face the other teams <laughs> in the AL Central. But if you look at Odorizzi's game log, he he um, he shut down Houston over seven innings uh, on April 29th. He shut down the Yankees over six innings on May 4th. So he's, he's had some outings against good offenses that make you think, okay, maybe with some changes he's making with the coaching staff, that this is like, you know, Real to the extent that, that he's kind of established maybe a slightly uh, higher level of performance.
1: Yeah, pretty clearly I'm not going to buy a 196 ERA. No. But I'll buy a I'll buy a solid average starter, which is pretty good for a guy who is entering uh, his final year. He'll be a free agent at the end of the year.
2: Exactly. He, he, I mean, his weight on base against is 233, and his expected is 276. So there's a gap, but even the, the, the expected is still it's well still very well yeah. above average.
1: All right, number two on our list of three unexpected pitchers here, Caleb Smith who is probably going to be the Miami all-star representative, I would have to think. Uh, Caleb Smith has a 310 ERA. That's very good. He came up with the 2017 Yankees, had a 771 ERA in 18 innings. Uh, He was actually a guy who had been drafted by the Yankees in 2013, was taken by Milwaukee and then swapped to the Cubs in the 2016 Rule 5 draft, uh, didn't didn't stick, got returned, was traded by the Yankees to the Marlins with Garrett Cooper for Mike King, which is kind of a very interesting trade like for three different reasons uh turns 28 in july now this is maybe my favorite stat i'm going to share with you for this entire show i looked at all of the qualified starting pitchers in baseball and i looked at the top strikeout rate here's a top five number one is garrett cole number two is blake snell number three chris sale number four caleb smith number five max scherzer number six steven strasberg number seven justin verlander caleb smith and six guys who are you know all stars slash Hall of Famers slash Cy Young Award winners. That wow. The the Marlins' starting pitching is
2: legitimately interesting. Their pitching staff in general is actually not terrible. The yes. offense is abysmal, and they are going to be you know end up with a top five draft pick again next year. And Caleb Smith isn't young, so it's sort of like be like, oh, this guy's going to be part of like the next good Marlins team. But they've actually been winning some games recently, and a big part of the reason why is that their pitching staff, you've got him with an expected weight on base against of 289, uh, Pablo Lopez 303, Trevor Richards 306. It's like three league averages, about 330. These are three above average starting pitchers they have.
1: I saw this on Twitter the other day. Did you know the Marlins are the only team in baseball to have used only five starting pitchers this year? wild stuff trevor richards uh, sandy alcantara smith lopez and jose Urine. i would not have i would not have guessed that at all as far as smith goes uh, it's a lot about his fastball 80th percentile spin and if you look at the edges of the zone we call this the shadow zone like the the width of one baseball around the zone uh, i looked at all pitchers who've thrown at least 300 total fastballs he has thrown nearly 50 percent of his fastballs right into that zone and that's fifth best behind guys like kershaw Flaherty and no cinder guard so that's really good um i'm kind of i'm kind of buying it i don't think you fake your way into a top five strikeout rate uh even if i don't know if i buy a 310 era and the third guy on the list and this is the guy i can probably safely say i had never heard of two months ago john means baltimore orioles uh, has a 280 era Uh, here's how highly thought of john means was last year he was the number 29 baltimore prospect on MLB pipeline this year he was not ranked and he was not also mentioned by fan graphs who usually goes like 50 deep onto their fan gra- to their prospect profiles. Um, he only got into one game last year, actually started in the bullpen this year, but so far a two eighty ERA. That's really good. Um, but there's there's a lot of questions here. I mean, the 3.22 expected weighted on bases, like league average, 3.06 weighted on bases is, is average. It really seems like this is about his changeup. Uh, as we mentioned recently, we put out new pitch movement leaderboards. He gets 12 inches of break on his changeup. That is three inches more break than similar changeups at his velocity and release point, um, or about 35 percent more break. Only three lefties throw more changeups as starters. Number one is Joey Lucchesi, and that's. Curveball, churve. Like, I really, I cannot stand that pitch because it drives our leaderboards nuts. Uh, number two is Jason Vargas. Number three, David Price. Number four, John Means. Here's the thing that is about the extent of what I have on John Means because I looked at a lot of his stats and I just, I, I can't find anything else terribly interesting about him. He's succeeding, uh, but it's not clear to me
2: why. And it's because a lot of the times we can look at a player, oh, this year to last year, and particularly, you know, with, 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 uh, StatCast usage and, you know, uh, performance against, we can glean something from it, but he barely pitched in the majors last year. You know, he, he, you know, he basically faced like, you know,
1: three and a half, three and a third innings.
2: Exactly. So it's nothing. So I'm, you know, you look at this thing. It's like, well, he's throwing his fastball a lot more this year, but like, can we really say that like whatever the three innings he threw last year is really indicative of any any true repertoire? So it's hard to, um, it's uh, it's hard to really have any firm firm takeaways from it. But if you are an Orioles fan and you're you're looking for interesting guys to watch. He's probably high up on the list.
1: Yeah, well, every time you have a rebuild, like I think about the Astros, and sure, there's the top draft picks, right? There's the good trades. But every one of those rebuilds, you kind of have to have a guy who makes this huge jump forward you didn't expect. Like Jose Altuve. Remember for the first couple years, he was fine. He was like, okay. He was an all-star because they needed an all-star that one year, and then he became a superstar. And I'm not saying that's going to happen for John Means, uh, but it feels like someone's going to have to, and he's off to a pretty good start proving himself. I also wanted to talk about – I wrote this over the weekend – or yesterday, actually – Eight team records that could still be beaten. Uh, I did not include the fact that the Orioles are almost certainly going to give up the most home runs in the history of baseball, because that seems like a given at this point. Uh, These range from um, obvious to maybe a little unexpected, so I just kind of wanted to go through them real quick. Number one, uh, the Twins currently have the highest slugging percentage in baseball history at 5'11", and it's first by a lot over the second place team who has 491. Here are the two teams they're ahead of. The 2003 Red Sox, so like Manny, Ortiz, Nomar. And literally the 1927 Yankees, I shouldn't have to tell you who was on that team. They were the 1927 Yankees. Um, 13 twins of at least 50 plate appearances, and 10 of them are slugging at least 500. They're slugging over 500 against righties and lefties. They are leading baseball in expected slugging percentage. And even if it's only 491, that is still 40 points ahead of the second place team. They're on pace to hit over 300 home runs. I don't think they're probably going to do that. But I feel like just, you know, the way that, that everybody's hitting for power, and especially the twins, it's not out of the question for them to set this all-time record. Uh, even if you look at it on a context adjusted basis, they are currently slugging 19% better than league average, which would be tied for the highest mark ever with the nineteen twenty-seven Yankees. Uh, buying it or not?
2: Um, maybe partially for the aforementioned reason of the division that they yeah? they okay. play in, that they get to they get to, to face I guess the you know, the uh the Indians do have uh, a pretty good pitching staff, although you know they've got a lot of injuries. Uh the White Sox do have potential Cy Young winner, Lucas Chilito, but uh <laughs> It's so weird that that's a thing that's true. <laughs> um but uh maybe they're pretty good. Yeah. Teams are hitting for more power than ever and they play in a pretty weak division. So there's a lot of uh there's a lot of possibilities there. I,
1: I think I'm in on this. I think they could do it. They yeah. really do. Uh number two, the Angels batters have the lowest adjusted strikeout rate on record. It's kind of the same thing with adjusted. You can't just look at raw strikeout rate. Uh, Comparing today's game to, I picked 1929 at random, we have striking out about three times as often. 22.9% is the average today. 7.2% was the average then. So, of course, you're never going to get that low, so it's good to look at adjusted league average. Going back to 1920 when data is first available, no team on record has a better adjusted strikeout rate then the 2019 Angels, they are striking out 28 percentage points less than the rest of the majors. Uh, second best was the 1986 Red Sox, who were 25 percentage points. It's cool, I think, that Mike Trout has found something else to be better at. Yeah. He has cut his strikeout rate to 15%, but it's not just about him. If you were to look at the three lowest strikeout rates among qualified hitters, number one is an Angel, David Fletcher. Number two is an Angel, Andrelton Simmons. And number three is an Angel, Tommy Lastella. That seems to be like not an accident. However, Simmons is hurt. So I think that's going to
2: hurt. That's going to hurt their chances of uh, of setting this record.
1: Um, I think no. I'm going to say no. Yeah, no, no. uh, Number three, the Astros have the lowest Astros pitchers, have the lowest batting average against and lowest on-base percentage against on record. Do you know who has the second lowest on-base percentage against in history? The 2018 Astros. (laughs) We talk a lot about how great the Astros are. Um, I think it's not hard to see this happening because they are great. They are leading – the majors in strikeout rate this year. They led the majors in strikeout rate last year. All five of their top minor league affiliates last year led their league in strikeout rate. That's not an Yeah, accident. there was a
2: really good story that Jay Kaplan did in The Athletic, basically breaking down what. Very, I mean, because the, the Astros are notoriously tight lipped about their whole shtick. And Jay Kaplan's story was a really good look inside the types of game planning that they do with pitchers and individual pitching plans that they create. For each pitcher and you read it and you're like okay that makes a lot of sense um obviously it's easier said than done but you're also wondering why isn't every team doing this
1: yes I absolutely agree uh the rays pitchers have the lowest adjusted era in major league history right now they have a 310 era major league average is 440 that gives them a 143 era plus uh the majors have not seen a mark that high since the 1905 to 1909 chicago cubs yes that was the tinker to evers to chance cubs um you know great pitching right great fielding uh the outfield defense is great i mean they are it's it's not just the pitching even though you know baseball's lowest hard hit rate will tell you something about that i don't know if they're going to break this record but it does it's interesting to me that even though i think the astros pitching staff is better um the raised defense is probably what's helping them get to the lower era plus all right let's get to the fun stuff the royals are on pace to hit more batters than any team ever sure why not it's listen <laughs> It's not just about Tim Anderson. They've only hit Tim Anderson twice. They've hit Gordon Beckham twice. They've hit Shin Chu twice. Um, they are on track to hit 99 hitters. The major league record is from the 2003 Devil Rays, who hit 95 hitters. Um, this is partially because the major leagues as a whole are on track to set a modern record for the most hitters or most, most batters hit. I think people think, like, you know, the Bob Gibson, Don Drysdale era guys would hit 700 guys a year. It wasn't true. Uh, guys are getting hit more often than ever now. For a lot of different reasons, I think, somewhat related. Yeah, Bob Gibson
2: never hit more than 13 guys yes, in a season.
1: absolutely. Uh, somewhat related. The Angels are on pace to throw more wild pitches than any team ever. I think they could get to that one. They have they have 13 different guys with, or 14 different guys who already thrown a wild pitch.
2: There's something kind of interesting about the uh, the parallel of them uh, maybe setting the right, record right, right. for not striking out and setting the record for wild pitches thrown.
1: Uh, the Dodgers have the lowest adjusted walk rate in Na- in National League history. Uh, they are walking 2.26 batters per nine innings. That is 30% better than the major league average. That is the best mark on record since the 1933 Reds. Part of that is on Ryu, 69 strikeouts and five walks. Um, but I thought this is interesting. It's not even that they're throwing the most strikes because they're not. They have the fifth highest zone rate. They have thrown the fewest pitches on three ball counts because they get guys to chase and they just end plate appearances before that. That's, that's a great way to not walk guys.
2: As an aside, is it possible that this is, team is even better than the team from two years ago? I the think they're
1: clearly better. I, yeah. I know the bullpen's a little messy and fine, uh, but they maybe have the best defense in baseball. They have the best hitter in baseball right now. Uh, top three pitching staff, top three offense, yes.
2: I mean, I, and when I watch their games, it's like, how does this team ever
1: lose? Because the bullpen screws things up
2: and, sometimes. But even still, like, also you look at them, what's also kind of crazy is you just look at it and it's like, oh, like, Corey Seager has kind of had a eh year. Yeah. Justin Turner has Started been good. So he's, so been good so, he's picked up, but he's also missed some time. Like, you know, obviously Bellinger's Bellinger. It's crazy that they're doing this, and like you know, it doesn't even feel like they're firing on all cylinders. Well,
1: that's the thing; they've gotten almost nothing out of AJ Pollock, right? He didn't play that well, and he got hurt. And it's it's I don't want to say they don't need him, but you look at that outfield: Bellinger, Verdugo, and Peterson. um, I think they're going to be okay, and then they get Pollock back at some point.
2: They are twenty five and seven at home. I don't know what the record is, but my guess is that would they they're they're they could uh, approach it.
1: They're on pace to win one hundred and eleven games. They might actually get there. Uh, the final one, and uh, we probably talked about something similar last year. The Red Sox could probably become the first team to ever have zero bunt hits. We talked about this with the A's last year. They made it all the way till the end of August, and then Jed Larry had to go screw it up and bunt ahead, for come it. on. What are I you was, doing? I was on vacation, and about 90 people tweeted at me, and I was so upset about it. Um, so far, 29 of the 30 teams have at least one bunt hit. They actually all have two. The Padres and Nationals have 15 uh, the Red Sox have only put down eight bunts this year, all for sacrifices. The Mariners have only put down four, but because they have D Gordon, at least one of those has been a hit. Most of their lefties for the Red Sox, if you're assuming bunting against the shift, don't really see a lot of shifts. The one guy who does is Mitch Moreland, but he's hurt and he's not fast in the first place. I guess at some point they'll probably find a way to do it, but I really hope they don't because it'd be weird and I would love to see a weird record. Um, are they going to do it? Probably. Ugh. <laughs> Oh well. Oh well. Let's talk about Clint Frazier. And yes. <laughs> can I can I tell you something? This is hundred percent true. Um, we were talking about Clint Frazier's outs above average ranking on Friday. Clint Frazier is at negative, av- negative eleven outs above average, right? He's not even qualified on the leaderboard. You have to go unqualify everybody to find him. And I was all excited about this. I thought, Oh, this is a hidden thing. Maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we'll write about it. And then he had to go, uh, you know, have his uh, have a bad night on Sunday night and then everybody else wrote about it and it's not a secret anymore. It's, but it's definitely a thing. As I said,
2: I wouldn't have noticed it. You know, I, I raised it to Mike last Friday because I was like pl- looking around and trying to find someone else. And who has I forgot who it was who just came up and that doesn't have enough qualif- uh, uh Attempts to qualify, so I had to take the qualifiers off, and it was only then I just did like a triple take. I was like, "Really?" Minus eleven that's above average, and I was like, I slacked Mike about it. He was like, "Oh yeah, that's a
1: thing." And and earlier that day, I had watched every single one of those plays, uh, and they are grim. Here's a a short compendium of the catch probability plays uh, that Frazier has not been able to make. He has missed a ninety-nine percent, a ninety-nine percent, a ninety-nine percent, a ninety-five, a ninety-five, a ninety, an eighty-five, and an eighty percent play. Those are all misses. His best catch of the year is only. 90 percent and I think even more than the negative 11 outs above average the thing that stands out to me is if you look at all the balls hit to him an average outfielder would have been expected to catch 85 percent of those balls he has caught 65 percent that is a gap of minus 20 even Domingo Santana uh, is only at minus eight and you know we we we're going to talk about this in sort of the sense that when is he going to lose his spot over this right because you look at the Yankees and it's been Brett Gardner and left, and it's been Hicks in center and Frazier and right, with Cameron Mabin as a backup and mostly Kendris Morales as a DH. Well, Giancarlo Stanton is getting ready to come back, maybe the middle of the month. Um, no firm timetable on Aaron Judge, but he's at least taking swings and taking some balls in the outfield. Frazier's been hitting pretty well, 5'17 uh, slugging, 319 on base, so he's been about 16% above average. But I also, like, he hasn't played the outfield since then. The Yankees were off yesterday. I don't know if he's in the lineup tonight. I would be surprised if they give him a lot more opportunities out there. It's been hard to watch.
2: And not to mention the fact that what's he's he's hitting well. He's hitting 272, 319, 517. So he's hitting for some pop. OPS plus of 118. But if you go on baseball reference, his war is zero. Because, because it's, it's because of the defense. And the thing is also he's playing a lot of right field and there's not a lot of ground to cover in right field. He's basically playing in one of the places where you could hide his defense best. And it's being exposed.
1: I just uh, I just looked it up. He is in the lineup tonight, but he's at DH. Okay. Cameron Maven is playing right <laughs> field. I, I tried to figure out why. Like, was there a reason? Because he's not slow. He's, he's actually slightly above average. Uh, on the on the uh, the play on Sunday where he couldn't get to a seventy five percent ball from Andrew Benatendi, he had a really really poor reaction time. Uh, when we we're gonna roll this out in the next couple of weeks, but he had a jump that was minus nine feet below average. So in the first three seconds. He got nine feet below average towards where he should have been. The dive shouldn't even have been necessary, Uh, but it's not, it's not really just that. It's, you know, I looked at it, the the below average in all of the new route stuff. Yeah. But a lot of it, he just gets there and it kind of clanks or it looks like he didn't quite read it well off the bat. I'm not really sure a good reason for this. Uh, Eric Burns on TV today uh, called him a heel striker so that his running style makes his head move, which I guess is interesting. I have no way to quantify that. But Eric Burns played outfield for a long time. You would know what he's talking about.
2: He definitely does lumber a bit. Uh, he's not exactly light on his feet uh, in the outfield. You know, I know it's not. I know it's not easy. You got you know, you know, anywhere from twenty to forty thousand people in the stands staring at you, when you get these you know fly balls that are slicing and dicing off uh, major league bats. But uh, it doesn't look smooth, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Yankees play this because for a while he looked like a trade candidate, but right now he's kind of exposed and. Yeah, I guess an AL team could say, "Oh, we want him to be our DH," but I'm not really sure if you'd want to trade him. And it's not like it's, and you know, he's. I, I don't put stock. You oh, know, he didn't want to talk to the media. Sometimes guys don't, want don't talk to the media, that, but it's clearly, it's clear know. like he's not. He's. It's, it's, it's. It seems to be that it's in his head too. It's
1: no coincidence he's not playing right field tonight. I'll yeah. be interested to see if and when he ever gets to because watching that game on sunday night this all happened in the span of like an inning like and and as they say the
2: ball the ball finds you exactly
1: right and negative 11 while that is the worst in the majors it's probably not the entire story because that's just about balls uh you could catch like there was a a play where it was an uncatchable single just like a pretty clear line drive single and it skipped past him for a triple and we didn't we don't dock him for that because that's just not the way the metric works um but that matters too i was trying to figure out if they had options to replace him before these guys come back so at Triple-A Scranton, uh, they have Mike Talkman, who's been up and down a couple times. Here are some names I didn't realize they had on this Triple-A team. Billy Burns, who uh, was a, a fast outfielder for the Royals and Presum- A's. Presumably still fast. I would think so. Uh, these guys aren't all outfielders, but they were names. I didn't know they had Logan Morrison at AAA. a Yeah, that happened. I didn't know they had uh, Cliff Pennington, uh, who was—Chad Pennington was the Jets quarterback. Right? Yes. Yeah, Cliff <laughs> Pennington. Okay. Uh, and I don't think I knew they had Brad Miller, because I guess he's been on, like, five teams in the last 18 months, playing Triple-A. So they have some guys there. They have some names I once knew. <laughs>
2: um, yep, but, but they, then again, ju- uh, Judge and, and Stanton can't seem to get back on the field, so it's sort of like delaying the the inevitable decision. I mean, they've optioned Frazier before. They could probably do it again, but you see that bad, and you don't really want to option that bad
1: either. Did you know on Friday, uh, Didi Gregorius should return from Tommy John surgery, uh, which is a good thing for them, obviously, and it made me realize I totally forgot that Troy Tulitsky was on this team for a minute. He's another guy who's been injured. Uh, the Yankees are 38 and 20, despite having half their team. They are endlessly impressive. <laughs> Finally, I've been wanting to talk about David Dahl's bizarre hitting line for a while. Uh, I looked—I looked this up on May 14th. I tweeted he had a 458 batting average on balls in play, but air quotes—only a 319 batting average. So that was almost a month ago. Now his line is a good line 331 383 528 uh, the rockies have actually been playing pretty well lately and he's a big part of that he has a 454 batting average on balls in play and if you're wondering if that high the that answer is it's extremely so since 1920 there have been nearly 25000 seasons of at least 200 plate appearances a 454 batting average on balls in play would be the highest ever He's, he's at 197 right now he'll get there you know tonight or whatever so i thought well that's interesting that gap between a 331 batting average and a 454 batting average on balls and play that sounds pretty high i wonder what the record is and it turns out it's not the highest ever that's 123 points it is the 10th highest ever uh number one happened last year actually number one and number two happened last year clearly this isn't a thing anybody tracks because nobody pointed it out jorge alfaro and austin jackson were 144 points and 142 points, uh, respectively. Jorge Alfaro had a four oh six batting average on balls in play and a two sixty two average. There's only one way you get to this: lots of strikeouts and a decent amount of power.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because if you look and if you look at the the leaders in like the uh, the biggest difference on this list uh, you put together here, it's all in like the last few years, which speaks to the the modern game of more strikeouts, lots of power, and probably some some shifting of players with incomplete data on that leads to some weirdness
1: yeah so i I thought this was kind of fun if i look at it from the other point of view so the the way i have this list here is guys who have a batting average on balls in play way higher than their actual batting average well what if i look at it the other way do you know what the two seasons in baseball history where a guy had a BABIP way under their actual batting average 1961 roger Maris and 2001 barry bonds well that makes a lot of sense because you can't have a good BABIP without the ip which is in play (laughs) Uh, dingers so many dingers of course you know he's a rocky there are some weird splits at play here he does have a 486 bad Bip at home but it's also 404 on the road so it's not just about that and then since we have stack i stayed on him i wanted to know how weird is this so as i said his bad Bip is 458 as expected it is 409 so that's the second highest behind only cody bellinger that is actually not that wild it almost suggests that he's sort of earning it i mean again he is striking out a lot. That's the only way you can make this happen. Um, on flies and liners, he has a 672 batting average that is the second best of anybody outside of Joey Gallo. So I'm not suggesting he's going to maintain this because it would literally be historic, um, but it does seem like he's hitting the ball really hard, he's in the right park, and he's striking out a lot. Like Those are the
2: recipes for this. If nothing else, it's good to see David Dahl having some level of success I know after many years of uh, showing promise, getting injured, getting kind of like, you know, moved around with the Rockies and all sorts. It, it feels like he's been on the precipice of this for a while. Yeah. So even if this like, you know, this overall batting line isn't quote-unquote real, he has the makings of a productive player.
1: And if you look at the outfield we talked about, Ian Desmond has actually been playing well. Uh, Tapia is someone I've been a fan of. He's been playing well. Charlie Blackmon will be back soon. Suddenly they have more outfielders than they know what to do with. And if they don't have Jose Abreu or Edwin Encarnacion playing first base by the end of July, I don't know what we're doing here. Well, they still have Daniel Murphy. Yeah, but he's been, well. First of all, he's a lefty, right? So you could do a little bit of a platoon thing. He's been hurt. He hasn't been playing well.
2: He started play a little bit better, but you're, yeah, he hasn't not been what they what they. He's, what not, they a, he's not
1: a roadblock. We'll, we'll put it
2: that way. Sure. No, not not with the the way teams have you know generally been smarter about. Uh, uh, moving their players around and finding them playing top. The Rockies have won nine, nine in their last 10. They're now four games above 500 and are firmly in the wild card wildcard.
1: And sent down Kyle Freeland, which I'm not saying he didn't deserve it because he really has. Uh, but I don't know if I've ever seen a Cy Young player or if a Cy Young finalist um, fall from grace like that. And it's not bad luck. I've had a lot of people saying, oh, it's just bad. It's not. It is... Just objectively, been a guy who is not hitting his spots and his mistakes are getting smashed. Yeah. In, the wrong, sure. in the wrong park for this. Nope. And he was never going to be as good as he was last year, anyway. No question. But they're now
2: in the, they're now a half game out of the, the wild card. So uh, good for the Rockies.
1: Is that, I had not looked at that. They are
2: a half game out of the wild card just behind their, their tied with the Braves in the Lost Column.
1: And when I looked at the American League the other day, the Rangers had a wild card spot. And then, of course, exactly.
2: They've been. I mean, their offense is good, if you believe in, you know, Hunter Pence and Logan Forsyth. And and,
1: and Shinsu Chu has been Since fantastic. Shinsu will be putting up 400 OBPs when he's, like, 50. You just made me sad, by the way, because Joey Gallo <laughs> yeah. got hurt, strained his oblique. Like, we know how long those things take. This may have derailed his MVP season. It is. It is
2: It is on his backside, which is not as bad for a power hitter, or so I've read. Thank you, Dr. Uh, Myers. <laughs> so I've read. Uh, whereas uh, he, and, he and Aaron Judge both uh, strained their left oblique but uh, it's considered worse for a right-hand hitter because it's on the front side for a back a hitter. It's considered not as bad.
1: That makes sense. We'll see. All right, that's our show for this week. This is the MLB.com Stockcast Podcast. Thanks for listening.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.